0: Hello, everybody. Jason Sarni here with finmaniacs.com, and we have another terrific show here, but this time it's going to be a continuation of a pair of -of out-of-town Dolphin fans, some terrific writers, excellent podcasters, the Outsiders. We have Sean Williams and we have Chip Turner. And I'm going to kick it off to these two gentlemen who will be in Cleveland very soon. So, Chip, why don't you tell everybody about what's going on?
1: Uh, we are going out to Cleveland. We'll be there in a uh, little over two weeks now. Heading out. I would love to do a Hulk Hogan impression uh, and try to uh, get people excited for the whole Outsiders theme. But I'm not going to insult the living legend Hulk Hogan by doing a really bad impression of him and saying anything involving the word brother. Uh, But I know everyone's looking forward to us going out there, doing some wonderful draft coverage on site. Uh, If you haven't tuned in to us before, perhaps you will do again in two weeks. We'll be there on draft night. We'll be there on Friday. We'll be there on Saturday. I'll be there with my co-host here, Sean Williams, who has some interesting stuff he's had going on. Sean, what you've What you been doing, buddy?
2: Uh, I've been kind of uh, – while everybody's doing mock drafts, I've been trying to actually sit back and analyze the way that the people in charge of this franchise, how they might be building their team. Instead of, you know, doing the, the clickbait Kyle Pitts and blah, 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 um, I tried to, to really actually examine recently how we're building this team, what the rest of the NFL looks like, what the game of football looks like, and, and maybe find some clues in that process that could help me better understand the direction we're going in. And I wrote an article about it uh, earlier this week. And I truly believe that, you know, football, football is fluid. The game changes. Um, the way it's played changes. The type of players that play positions change. Um, and I think we're at the cusp, at the beginning part of, of yet another big change in football. And that's the era of positionless football. That's where you can take a guy and plug and play him in so many different ways. You can take, you know, you look at the Chiefs, you can take Tyree Kill and he can play out of the slot. He can run down the fields on the boundary. He can play running back. Um, You know, a a big thing I kind of am learning in this process too, especially if you look at the top tackles in this draft, like uh, Sewell and Slater, I don't even think they're really tackles, to be honest. I think the more you move them inside, the more dangerous and the the higher their ceiling gets. And I just think, again, that's a testament to how the game is changing. Um, you need safeties that are linebackers and corners at the same time. Um, you need linebackers that can cover like a corner or like a safety. You need... Uh, guys on the interior of the defensive line that can move out to edge if need be. So we're, we're moving in a whole new direction. And I think we've seen that, especially with the Miami dolphins in the first couple years. And I actually heard kind of an interesting take today. I'll ask you what you think about this. Um, I was listening to uh, Omar Kelly's podcast and he said he was talking to a, a draft evaluator for, um, I, he wasn't specific for who or for what team or, or whatever. But he actually was told that Raekwon Davis isn't even a, really a nose tackle. Raquan Davis is more of an edge player because of his size. At six seven, it's going to be hard for a nose tackle to get down and be stout. Um, and they're more vulnerable to be pushed around by the centers and guards. New thought process, and again, credit to Omar and and Dave Hyde from the Sun Sentinel for this is their idea, but um, what if Miami actually, in the early second, drafted like a Christian Barmore and kind of solidified the interior and moved people out? Um, So that's a thought process too, and I just think, again, that goes to the versatility of the team and what Brian Flores and Chris Greer want to do. And just the direction the NFL is moving towards, and and I think Miami's kind of ahead of the ball game, which is why you've seen them outperform expectations the first two years. I think they they kind of saw it coming, and you, you saw it two years ago. They took street free agents, guys that were deemed a health hazard by networks like ESPN, <laughs> put them in starting positions, and won five games. Last year, they had a win in your in playoff situation. So, I don't know. What's your thoughts on all that?
1: You know that thing where last week you said to me that I have a way of beating you to the punch on certain subjects. This week you did it to me. <clears throat> and I really right. liked the yeah. article that you put out. The article that you put out, uh, it's on finmaniacs.com, was really well received. Uh and I don't know if not that I'm not that I'm being contrary to what you're saying, I don't know if positionless football is the proper way to term it. I think what they're doing is the Dolphins are going completely against the grain with how evaluators see players fitting into a team, which I think is where you're going with this. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I understand exactly what you're saying as far as them solidifying the insides of both their offensive and defensive lines to the point where I think what they value in their on their team and in what they're looking for players doesn't make any sense for other teams that are running different schemes and what the Dolphins are doing. And I think they are a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, One specific way that they're doing that, which has nothing to do with what you were talking about, is they'll run a lot of packages in which they create pressure on the defense, but they also will run packages that are specifically... And very effectively geared toward run defense, specifically short yardage. And I've seen them do that. I mean, the re-signing, and I didn't, I don't think anybody on this panel, anybody on our entire network, I'm sorry, on ent- our entire web page and an entire staff saw this coming, except for Hassam. Hassam specifically said, watch them sign Elandon Roberts. And we well, all kind of went. Yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 sure. They're going to sign, or sign Orlando Roberts. And we all kind of thought, you know what? That's never going to happen. But he has a very specific place on this team as a run defender that Brian Flores has seen that he fits a very specific need that might not fit on any team other than the Patriots and the Dolphins because they have very specific roles for very a specific, specific type of player. Could be the street free agent you brought up. And they'll fit those players into a scheme that they run, and like you said, they could go for a bar more. They could pick him up and put him on the inside of a line. What I have seen, and what I'm a couple of things that I'm doing, I, I know you're you're doing your articles. Like I said, you just did the article that was really well received. I absolutely loved it, and it is Thank a you. peak. Yeah, yeah it, it was really well done. Uh, kudos mm-hmm. given when they're deserved. There's a very specific. Setup that they're trying to do with both offensive and defensive lines, um, clogging up the middle on both. And I agree with what you said about Raquan Davis. Raekwon Davis is not a penetrating nose tackle in the most specific sense of the word. I've been I've been beating this to death for months. He did exactly what Brian Flores wanted to do. He's a run clogger in the middle. He's not a penetrator. He does things. He occupies blockers. He does things that wouldn't really be asked of him on other teams. Could he be effective at more than that? Possibly. But I'm doing an article coming up on Jalen Mayfield. And Jalen Mayfield fascinates me as a product of a system where he has a very high upside. And I think where the league is going on offensive tackles is not necessarily your huge maulers. I think your maulers, like you were saying, are going to go inside and they're going to be built from the inside out. Jalen Mayfield and what a lot of teams are looking for, in my opinion, in tackles, isn't the big maulers. They want people with fast feet. They want people who can keep up with your edge rushers on the outside because your edge rushers are in high demand. And we saw that with a couple of players very recently. Von Miller signed for a ridiculous amount of money. He's barely played in the last year and a half. And that shows you how valuable edge rushers are. And I think the counter to that, it's always, in the NFL, it's always move and counter move, both on offense and defense, how teams are scheming for the future. Jalen Mayfield is a prospect that I'm going to be writing up very shortly. And what has impressed me about him, looking at him, is he is extremely fast with his feet. And as far as the future of the NFL, I think that's where your tackles are going on both sides of the ball. It's not your huge brawlers. Your huge brawlers, like you were saying, is going to be moving toward the inside. They're going to be able to deal with the pressure. They're going to be able to deal with your Aaron Donalds. And where the quickness of foot is going to be valuable is on the tackles on both the left and right side. And they're going to have to keep up with your your players coming out like your Jalen Phillipses, who are extremely fast on the outside. It's move and counter move. Um, And I think... That is where the future of the NFL is going. Hopefully, uh, that has addressed what you did with your article, which I thought was fantastic. Um, Where do you see that with the prospects coming out where they'll fit in the future of the Miami Dolphins team?
2: So I think where I see it the most, um, and I was really taken aback by it, is just the general linebacker position. Um, I was doing some scouting profiles recently um, for Hussam and for, you know, fin maniacs, And I'm looking at linebackers that are weighing 235, 245 pounds. And to me, that's just, that's insane. Well, then you go and you watch their tape. And I'm just going to pick on uh, one of my favorite guys, Cam McGrone. You watch his tape and boy, does he shoot through those gaps so fast. You, you wouldn't even see him coming.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, that's when you kind of start to understand it, especially in a Flores system. You get some real fast linebackers that can shoot those gaps. And that's a game changer. And that's what Brian Flores likes to do. He likes to give you exotic looks. You don't know where people are coming from. And the great thing about someone like Camigrone or um, even Pete Werner, um, Baron Browning, any of these linebackers, what's great, is they they can be disguised like let's say it's a they can play three down roles because if you're putting out exotic looks with these guys who are 234 245 pounds and can run in the four fours and even four threes now you don't know if these guys are are gonna just explode after the quarterback or if they're just gonna drop back and cover and and go step step and step with step with your your running backs or um, your tight ends and those things. So, I'm I'm seeing it so much in the linebacker position, and it's blowing me away. And then I'm watching these guys on film, and my mouth is open, and I'm drooling a little bit, and I'm like, I want all of them. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, these
2: guys are just fast.
1: They they are. Um, I think uh, to to piggyback onto that. I did some. I did the uh, the you know we we both did the linebacker evaluations mm-hmm. and I I touched on Jamin Davis last week uh, he is right. one of those types who is either explosive I guess is the is the overall descriptor that um, a lot of NFL teams seem to be looking for and mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of those players coming out. What I have noticed is the adaptation that I believe will have to take place for a lot of those linebackers is, again, move and counter move. When that sort of thing happens, when you have the penetrating linebackers who who shoot gaps as best they can, you're going to have teams counter that with a power run game, in my opinion. And I think the the blueprint for that, believe it or not, is in Tennessee, Tennessee with Derrick Henry. Uh, Derek Henry will run these people over. So I think the biggest adaptation for that in these linebackers who will hopefully be three down linebackers that can guard against the run and the pass will be that they have to be able to stack and shed blocks. That's the only thing that concerns me with some of these more athletic uh, linebackers who are very explosive and they're very wiry, they're very rangy, they have huge length. My biggest concern is when they get engaged by an offensive lineman, if they're going to be able to stack and shed blockers. I think uh, Jamin Davis can do that. I think Barron Browning can do that. I touched on it last week. Uh, Jabril Cox out of LSU might be the best pass-defending linebacker in the entire draft. He is phenomenal against the pass, but I do wonder watching him is he going to be able to um, learn and get more powerful? Because he's so he's so la- he's so lanky. He's so long in, in, with his with his with his range, uh, with with his arm lengths, and, and he's just a big, fast kid who can shoot gaps. But I don't know if he's going to be able to engage these blockers um, and stack and shed. I think it is a skill that's going to have to be taught because. These are some wonderful linebackers coming out. I said last week that I think there could be a couple gold jackets out of this linebacker class, but I think to adapt to the NFL game, they're going to have to learn to deal with a some of your bigger, nastier offensive lineman, guards, and even tight ends who are going to react to shooting gaps by just laying low, digging in, and just how we the ball. So hopefully they can add, they can adapt to that.
2: So I'm going to piggyback off of that. Okay. And I'm going to give you um, a pro and a con or, or more so a couple observations with, with, in regards to what you said. So okay. I recently did a, a, a nice handful of edge rushers scouting. Um, and to your point, almost, almost every single one uh, saved for your uh, Jalen Phillips, who is just – he's your traditional build for in a 4-3 end or 3-4 or, or outside linebacker, what have you. Almost every guy I did was exactly what you said. And my, my biggest con for them was they just had a lack of strength and how are they going get, to get around 325-pound guys with brute force? So I definitely understand that. Now, to counter it, especially at the top of the draft with some of these linebackers, what I noticed in their film is they've become very technically sound tacklers. I saw a lot of wrapping up at the legs. Um, Not a lot of the shit that you used to see in terms of trying to lay a guy out or, you know, the old shoulder. Um, These guys were firing at players and wrapping them up below the waist, which, it seems like a forgotten art, but it might be one of those things that they have to do in order to, to, to balance out the, the size and strength issues.
1: Yeah, uh, and I, I agree with you. It is the NFL, the, the college players that are getting ready for the NFL are being taught much better than they used to be. They're simply, they're simply being taught to, like you said, tackle and drag to the ground. Here is, and I wonder, I wonder how this is going to go because I try to see trends before they happen. I'm not smart enough to do it very often, but I wonder. And here's my question for you these players coming out, I think that you're going to be limited in NFL offenses very shortly by the type of scheme that you want to run you're going to be able to have you're going to have to be able to do with deal with these sound tacklers who come up and try to wrap up your players and you're going to do it with in one of two ways you're going to be able you're going to have to do it with a type of offense like kansas city runs where you're going to be able to run crossers and get these players away from your edge rushers you're going to have to get away from the type of defender who is built to come off the edge and disrupt the run, which Kansas City has done very well. And they've done it with separation. They've done it with quick slants. They've done it with a lot of stuff where they get the players free three or four yards beyond the line of scrimmage. And then they bust it loose for a 40-yard run because I don't care how fast your linebackers are, they're not going to keep up with Tyreek Hill. They're not going to keep up with your average slot player. The other way to deal with what you're talking about is your big bruisers running back coming out of the backfield. And I think the NFL is going to change in the next two to three years where you're going to see your running backs by committee. as And there was a chart I saw today which showed that your workhorse running backs are dying, which is fine. I think that will prolong careers and keep people healthier. But I think you're going to have running backs by committee with big, bruising backs. Um, The way you combat a technically sound edge rusher who is not a huge guy who can get, you know, knocked off the ball, knocked off the line of scrimmage a little bit by a big, brawling offensive lineman, is to have a running back who, if you try to tackle him around the waist or lower, you're going to catch a knee to the face and go flying three or four yards, which is. Sounds like be, you're describing
2: Najee Harris in those it's Najee Harris. For
1: thighs. It Trace, it's Trace Sermon. It's Ramondre yep. Stevenson. You're going to run into these players with. and And there's a kid who everybody seems to be, and this is not a Dolphins topic. And I keep watching this guy get slammed on Twitter. Uh, because his backfield mate got signed uh, in an unexpected way, and people just love to slam AJ Dillon, and AJ Dillon was supposed to be the next great thing on Green Bay, and he suddenly, his suddenly, uh, he's not the only member of the backfield anymore. But I keep looking at this and going, you know what? That's not why Green Bay signed or drafted this kid. D- Green Bay drafted this kid because. No one's going to want to try to tackle him off the edge around the waist because you're going to get hit in the face with a 28-inch quad running it at, at 15 miles an hour, and and that's that's how, that's eventually going to be a business decision. Do you really want to tackle this kid around the waist? Do you want to tackle Derek Henry around the waist? I don't think so. I think that is again, it's it's reaction and counter reaction happening in the NFL.
2: Yeah, and that's it's really going to wear defenses down too. I mean, I. I think uh, sometime in the fourth quarter, let's say you're up 10 points and you do have that bruiser running back going up against hybrid linebacker safety guys um, of the new breed, they're going to get worn out quick. Might even get hurt. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of potential. um, And it's, again, why just – and I'm not going to try and beat that dead horse, but why a guy like Najee Harris makes a ton of sense (laughs) – and, again, he's another guy who can do it all. He can play wide receiver. Um, not your typical build of running back that can play wide receiver, but he can do it. Um, he can – he has speed and burst. He can get around the edges. He can uh, get through the gaps. He can run you over. He can juke you. He can leap over you. And then at the end of the day, we still have Miles Gaskin, who is kind of that gadget running back who – I mean, in the Raiders game last year, had a huge touchdown. Uh, he caught it just a, a shallow in route and dodged a bunch of guys and took it to the house. So, um, and then, of course, we have Malcolm Brown in case, you know, someone gets hurt. But, um, yeah, it's – I almost feel foolish for not seeing some of this sooner. It's almost like I can read to a T what Miami's doing. Now, that doesn't mean I have any idea where they go in the draft, Um, but I would like to pick up a, one or two of these linebackers and see, we still have the balance that we need. When you look at a Landon Roberts who can play the run game, Bernardrick McKinney, um, he's, he's actually a very solid cover linebacker, but he's more your traditional linebacker. and He's a hell of a run defender. Um, so, you know, you have McKinney and Roberts situationally and you pair him up with, Uh, Jerome Baker, who last season just flashed when he blitzed and played this new kind of hybrid linebacker role. And obviously, we all know he can cover um, and pair him with one or these guys with one or two more of these new hybrid linebackers. And you have a very versatile linebacker linebacking core. And then you have guys like Vince Beagle and uh, Andrew Van Genkel, who I, I believe ABG can play with his hand in the dirt if needed. Um, he can rush off the side. He can sh- he can shoot the gaps a little bit too. Um, you got Christian Wilkins who can play inside. He can play outside. Same with Zach Sealer. So, just the versatility is just it's astounding, and I I love to see it. It's very exciting, um, and it makes it really hard to know what's going to happen at the end of the month in the draft. Very hard to forecast.
1: It is, and I think no matter what occurs, it is. You've hit on this frequently. It is the versatility, the versatility that the athletes that Miami has gotten through free agency and through the draft. Other than the specialty players, like I hit on Atlanta Roberts. When Atlanta Roberts is in the game, he's gonna he, he's there to stop the run. That's what that, that's mm-hmm. what he does, and he does it really well. I've said it before. People call him a one-trick pony and they might be right, but it's a really good trick, and he does it really well. Aside from your specialty players that he has, and and those those are probably take up about, I want to say four or five members of the entire team, versatility is key uh, for what Miami is building because what Brian Flores has done is disguise coverages very, very well Um, to the point where the players that he has on his team, we've, we've, we've seen him run uh, dime defense, we've seen him run quarter defense. we've seen, even seen him with eight defenders on eight defensive backs on the field in a dollar defense, um, which clearly he's not going to do against the run. But we've seen him have numerous players standing in a, <laughs> on a defensive front where he, yep. he, he, he fooled quarterbacks. He fooled – I think – honestly, I think that Jared Goff was never the same after the Rams game. Uh, Justin Herbert,
2: too. You remember what
1: Justin, Keenan yes, Allen said
2: about that game? He was like, we had to throw out the playbook because Herbert didn't know how to read it.
1: Justin Herbert got so upset he shaved his head after that game, Joined a <laughs> cult apparently. No, but sure I, I, to, to your point of what the, the players that Miami is going to acquire – I 100% agree that they're probably going to be – anybody on the defense is going to be adept at both pass and run defense to the point where having him in the game, regardless of down, you're not going to know what they're going to be doing. Um, I think it speaks very much to his style of coaching, that he wants his players to be able to substitute in – for other players if they're injured or unavailable regardless of of their position um, to the point where you'll be able to see players that you will be identified on the roster as safeties lying at the linebacker players that are aligned identified as safety lining at the cornerback um, it is headed towards positionless football to an extent um, which will give headache. It'll it'll be a a headache for the NFL Players Association as as defining how players get paid at that point in time because you're going to have to identify them somehow. Um, But I think you hit the nail on the head as far as not only on offense, but also on defense. Offense is an even more fascinating study, I'm sure. But on defense, you're going to have players that can play, um, tackle, and end. You're gonna and you're gonna have players. You can play safety and linebacker, and even cornerback at times. Um, and I think that's where I think the Dolphins, like you said, are ahead of the curve in that aspect. Um, I think the Chargers, believe it or not, have done some things on defense that way as well. Um, but hopefully, in two weeks, we'll see Miami pick up a defensive player or two. Um, do you have any specific players that you're looking for in the late rounds who could fit that role, who you think Miami could be would be well-served to pick up and put in a position on defense where they could fill multiple roles? So just
2: before I touch on that, mm-hmm. um, I do want to um, – I have one more point about this, and that's that – one of the reasons I think, it, and you talked about a Landon Roberts, he's a one-trick pony, but he does that trick really good. I think the reason, my, you know, Brian Flores could go and, and literally sign guys out of the street or surpass these expectations that the media had two years in a row because he's, he's going and he's taking guys that aren't developed, um, that have a long way to go, but if, if they have this, this very specific skill set and you ask them to just focus on that specific skill set, I think that's why you're seeing uh, Miami's ability to play even late round rookies right away. Um, I think that's why you saw us, once we kind of got some chemistry going after signing all these guys week to week in the first season, why you saw them want, win five games and that's because I think Flores has identified a way to get guys with specific skill sets that don't have to really leave those boundaries, but scheme it up in a way where it all balances each other out, and you don't show a lot of vulnerability. So it's 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 pretty incredible the minds um, if that that really is what they're doing. And I guess it remains to be seen. Let's see what happens next year, but. It, it, it says a lot about just the football minds that these these two guys have that are building this franchise. Um, to be able to identify that and, and get ahead of other teams in doing so, um, and we're just we're just one step further, which is exciting. And that's why um, with the draft, I expect a bunch of these guys that we get. Even though we're we're kind of built our foundation, um, I would expect some of these guys we get even maybe in the the third round or one of our later picks could contribute right away. Um, A guy I I just recently studied that I really like, but he was, he was essentially pigeonholed to a role um, at his college. That is the exact opposite of what he'll do in the NFL. And it kind of, kind of stinks to see that because it definitely has hurt his draft stock. But if you watch his film He's another one of these guys that has all the raw tools and a very high motor um, to transition from a 4-3 defensive end, which he really didn't have any business playing in college, to more of a hybrid rusher. And that's Chris Rump from Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy has a high, high motor. Um, he's pretty technically sound, but he's another one of those guys that's just lacking strength. Um, he, was, he was asked only to play 4-3 defensive ends. Um, he, there's no game tape on him playing anything other than that, but he's built for the NFL to do edge, not, not with his hand in the dirt. Um, so he's a guy that, especially with some of our offseason signings like Scarlett and Riley and bringing back Vince Beagle. And, um, we have a pretty deep, um, edge slash linebacker room. Um, he could be a guy that, you know, with his motor, plays special teams for a year. Maybe if there's injuries, get some snaps, but he's one of those guys that I think uh, is fully capable of making that transition. He's a coach's son, so he's been around the game forever. He's very smart, great processing, uh, very good instincts. And I've seen a few of those guys that are pegged to the middle or late rounds in that position that just – they have – the same almost capabilities as maybe some of your second round guys, but just didn't get put in a position in college to, to attack it in the same way. So it's a little bit of a guess.
1: Yeah, there is, that's, there is something freeing about being able to take a, a player like that who has certain weaknesses, like you're saying, he lacks the strength, but there is, there are players, even even in the NFL, you see some players that are tremendously miscast and are just simply not being used properly for the skill set that they have. One of whom, and I, I I went off on Twitter about this briefly, was Derek Barnett on the Eagles. I think is is being has been used wrong for the last two or three years. Um, I think he is. It is wonderfully freeing for a player like that to simply be given the assignment of your your edge or, or a, even like a will light type of linebacker see ball get ball wherever the ball goes you go kill that person <laughs> like 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 the like the, um, the best uh, example I could see is, is in replacements the replacements movie which is a movie that I absolutely love same go get me that ball that's all you have to do if you are freed up to do that sort of thing and rump, I think has that sort of skill set. I saw you write up on that. I thought it was fantastic as well. Um, now he definitely has a role that that sort of role in the NFL. Would he be an every down player? Probably not. But I think that sort of player um, has it's been worth building here. for sure. Oh, absolutely. Oh my goodness, he definitely has a spot on the team, and it's not he. he wouldn't be a uh, a player you'd want to have to fight through traffic and shed blocks, and and be a run defender. That's not what he does the best, but I think, like you said, he's been miscast and would do very well in the NFL. Uh, I want to switch to offense really quickly, because there's a player that I started looking at, and like you said, these players fly under the radar, and you mentioned last week that there are a ton of slot guys in this draft that. Can be had later in the draft, who I believe will contribute tremendously at the next level. There's a kid out of North Texas. Jalen Darden. If, well, apparently, you do know who he is.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's a I sleeper.
2: Watch, we shouldn't he, talk about
1: him. I'm sorry. Well, he hey, look at it this way. If someone's listening to us who can make a decision like that, we're definitely doing something right. Jalen Darden right. is. There is something to be said for players who simply do one thing really, really well, and that is break well out of roots. And I used up all of my Devonta Smith time last week, so I'll say one more sentence and leave it alone. Um, The things that, and I brought up earlier in this podcast, the things that Kansas City does... Are are lending NFL defenses to try to specifically limit five to seven to ten route ten yard crossing routes because that is what Kansas City feasts on. It is what a lot of teams are emulating now and trying to build um, very effective offenses. Your Curtis Samuel signings are are. Indicators that that's where NFL offenses are going. And to that end, that is why I think that the sluggo route, your slant and goes, are going to be even more effective than they used to be. Because if you have linebackers, corners, biting on your slant routes, a sluggo, a slant and go, is going to be incredibly effective you're going to have defensive backs trying to break down on your crossers and receivers who can break really well out of the second cut on a slant and go are going to eat people. They're going to get your 70-yard touchdown passes that look like a cornerback or a safety blew a coverage when they didn't. They're simply being trained to limit the effectiveness of these short crossers the other guy i saw break really well on a sluggo roots is jalen darton i watched him run his routes and went my goodness gracious he ran a he had a good pro day it wasn't an electric fast pro day but i don't care he is built short compact not slight but he breaks really well out of roots he's very quick in his breaks and i think he could be a he's a player that I keep looking at now and going. I've I've talked about Emir Smith Marset as an outside receiver before. I think he could do very well out of Iowa, um, but Jalen Darden at a North Texas I believe has the opportunity, if I'm not mistaken, to be the first North Texas player drafted since I want to say 2000 2004 2005. I was reading up on it, um, but he is a player of mine. I would love to see get some press and hopefully, hopefully get drafted by the Dolphins. But at least as long as he gets drafted, I think he should. I think he's going to make an impact very quickly in the NFL.
2: Yeah, I don't, I'm not even sure he's really a sleeper anymore. I've seen his name so much recently. Um, I think just guys like us uh, picking up on him quick. And then, I mean, maybe he goes in the fourth, fifth round. Um, I have another guy kind of that, that builds that I really like, and that's Anthony Schwartz from Auburn, um, <laughs> yep. also has a high motor, incredibly fast, um, seems like a Brian Flores type guy. Um, but I want to talk about, and I, I hate beating the first, the first round into the ground, but why not Jalen Waddle then? Why not the best of them? Why not the guy that people are, are predicting could be the next, uh, Tyreek Hill? And I'll tell you first. I'll give you my answer mm-hmm. um, on why I, I don't love him, and that's because he doesn't catch the body, catch the ball cleanly. Um, whereas Devonta Smith catches the ball very cleanly using his hands and um, great technique. Whereas Waddle um, is a little more uncontrolled with how he brings the ball in. But uh, what do you? What are your thoughts on, on Waddle and why not him?
1: My thought on why not Waddle is simply because we can't have them all. <laughs> we can't have <laughs> everybody. Wrong. And if you, if it came down to a pick uh, between, and honestly, even, even if it came down to, if it comes down to a playmaker at sex, I've been saying this the entire time, I won't get really upset about anybody that the Dolphins take at sex as long as it helps to. Her. Mm-hmm. But if I were to rank them, It would be, and and this is just me, this is just my opinion. I'm not going to say I'm smarter than anybody because I know how controversial um, these takes are and people get themselves all upset about them. My personal preference for the Dolphins would be, one, Devonta Smith, two, Jamar Chase, three, Kyle Pitts, and then four, Jalen Waddle. I think, with that being said, I think that the most dangerous player in the entire draft in the open field is Jalen Waddell. He is an absolute live wire, electric player in the open field once he has the ball. Um, He would allow, it would probably be ill-advised, but he would allow Miami to consolidate their punt slash kick returner position and a slot receiver position, do I think it's a wise idea? No, I don't. Um, I think he, he is would be far too valuable as a first round tech to be returning kicks and returning punts. Um, we saw how that worked with
2: William's.
1: Well, not only that, we saw that work with Jalen Waddle, the first, first play of of the opening game ripped his ankle to shreds, but, um, I think that is not why. Simply because you can't have everybody. If they do draft Jalen Waddle at six, or if they trade down and get Jalen Waddle, that obviously changes the entire draft picture. Um, at that point in time, I don't think Jalen Darden would be a Miami Dolphin. Um, but I wouldn't be tragically upset. So I think that is why not.
2: Yeah. So I do want to touch a little bit on... Uh, moving away from the draft, a, a misconception I see um, through the Twitter Twitterverse and um, other social media outlets is people seem to have a very jaded opinion of what a Devontae Parker and a Preston Williams are capable of. And I think a lot of them, a lot of people look at them as guys who stay on the boundary get the 50-50 balls and the tough balls and that's really all they're worth and that's not really Tua. However, Devontae Parker for sure and even Preston Williams when his hands are reliable are very excellent slant guys and that's a a heavily used route in in an RPO offense. Um, So I did want to touch on that. Um, I think people just kind of have this weird idea about both of those guys. And I I understand where it comes from with Parker. He's only ever really excelled with Fitzpatrick, yada, yada, yada. Um, He has been working with Tua. Um, You you see it in the Instagrams. They're all getting together and stuff. And then the other thing um, I just want to touch base on is the the receiving room in general seems to already be at a max capacity and we're not even at the draft. I know a couple of those guys could be listed at different positions, but that doesn't really matter. They still occupy a spot on your roster. And when you look at the guys I think are not going anywhere uh, would be Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, because we're basically, he, he's basically free uh, as an undrafted guy playing for a contract. Will Fuller's money is guaranteed. Um, that's three. Mac Collins isn't going anywhere because he's, one of the best special teams gunners in the in the NFL. Bowden's not going anywhere. It's just his second year. Um, I don't I don't think Malcolm Perry makes the cut. Maybe he finds himself his, his on special teams. Um, and I, I I'm starting to believe that I think Albert Wilson will also make the team, just because he's another one of those gadget slot guys who. Who can turn the burners on? I mean, we haven't seen it in almost four years. And that's been a huge issue for me where everyone else is, oh, don't forget about Albert Wilson. And I'm like, I'm not forgetting about him because he sat out last year. I'm forgetting about him because he hasn't been Albert Wilson in almost four years. Um, I don't think Alan Hearns makes it, but we're already looking at seven receivers that should all be on the team, theoretically, and we're not even at the draft yet
1: yeah this is this is a this is a, this is a uh, gonna be a really interesting conversation post draft because i am one of I am one of those persons who kept saying, Don't forget about Albert Wilson because Albert Wilson had a very promising start to two thousand eighteen. He really did. I don't um, remember before, what I was
2: doing back then
1: be, <laughs> well, that I mean it's it seems so long ago. But remember, he had the hip injury and he simply was not the same for a year after that. And he finally started coming on again and he started looking like the Albert Wilson who got a lot of separation, who was a very good hands catcher. He was a very solid receiver and a very quick receiver and ran roots well in the beginning of 2018, was hurt for a year at the end of 2019 started coming back and started looking like the Albert Wilson of old and then 2020 came along. to remember there hasn't been a circumstance like this in the history of the NFL where you have players who sat out or are coming back all we hear about is how the Patriots are going to dominate the world now that they've got Dante Hightower back and they've got their players back that they lost to COVID there are players on every team who who opted out. I agree with you uh, specifically about a couple of wide receivers. I don't think that, I don't think that Malcolm Perry makes a squad. I like Malcolm Perry. I don't think he makes a squad. He's just too raw. Uh, he is. And uh, I mean, I think he, I think he, I don't think he'd get plucked off the back for the practice squad. Um, I think your slot receivers unless they pick up somebody else in the draft, are going to be Albert Wilson and Lynn Bowden. I don't think Lynn Bowden is nearly polished enough to have contributed last year, and he shouldn't have been. He He's a tremendous athlete, but he's not a polished receiver yet. I think a lot of the Dolphins fan base overestimates what was on the field last year uh, in addition to Devontae Parker and Preston Williams i i think they are more than 50 50 receivers but they were so hamstrung with what they could do let's let's not use hamstrung let me use a different word because i don't like that when you're about talking hamstr- about the receivers no yeah. not not dolphins receivers i don't want to talk about hamstrings i think they were very hampered by the inability of the other receivers on the team because they the receivers on the team i don't think that J- Jakeem grant is very fast i don't think Jakeem grant is a very good root runner he got separation but he, i think if he was a crisper root runner he would have gotten a lot more separation he i just think just he doesn't catch the ball well that's that's a completely separate conversation i didn't want to go there but no he doesn't catch the ball well either i don't i don't know that Jakeem grant makes this team I've been saying that for the last six months. I, I mean, I, I think I once once he dropped that pass from Tua, I just I just I, I threw up my hands and went, dude, you have to make that catch. There, and there's there's been three or four other times. It, still that I just, me. it does. I, I I hated that. And I thought I thought that is the type of thing that's gonna keep you off this team. I love the guy, I love his story. I think he's a fantastic success story. But I don't think he is a receiver on a championship team. I just don't. I know they need another punt returner. But if you're gonna keep another punt returner, keep Malcolm Perry. I don't, I I just I just don't I, I I don't see him fitting on a team that will have a good wide receiver room. I just don't. Um yeah, I, I think that once you have a good complement of receivers. Out of the slot out of what like, Will Fuller, I think, is going to open this team up so much. You're not going to be able to have safeties cheating over the top and covering Devontae Parker or Preston Williams. I think Preston Williams and Devontae Parker are both fantastic athletes who can do more than just catch 50-50 balls, but they're being they are being shadowed by the free safety pretty much all game when they were when they were active and healthy. So yeah, I think I think a more complete receiver room a more skilled receiver room is going to cause Miami to release some of your players, like Isaiah Ford. I love Isaiah Ford, but Isaiah Ford had no business on a championship team. Um, but yeah, I think I think the more talent you have in a wide receiver room, the better. And I think that once that happens and once you see uh, defense, defenses that Miami play against stop shadowing over the top of Preston Williams and or Devontae Parker, the better they're gonna look. And you're gonna say, oh my goodness, now that you now that they have somebody on the other side of them or a slot receiver that's getting separation, look what happened. Look how much better they can get open and they can get they can get yards after the catch. They can get separation from their corners. I think you'll see that much better in 2021 than you did in 2020.
2: Yeah, the the Devontae Parker hate really ticks me off um it was just two seasons ago that he was kind of a pro bowl snub um even last year in such a depressing offense he 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 brought in 60 63 percent of the balls thrown his way yes he is so much more of a reliable wide receiver injuries excluded just talking about being a reliable receiver on the field um He's a safety net. It, I, I, he's proven it when he's healthy. I, I remember the Eagles game when he just uh, owned Jalen Mills, who welcome to the division, and you get to you get to guard him again. Um, he 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 really is a very good wide receiver. Should he be um, a team's wide receiver one? That remains to be seen. Still, um, I don't know that he needs to be. Um, If you have the right group of guys, but the other thing with Lynn Bowden um, that I think really kind of curbed him and what he could do uh, besides just the overall craptasticness of the rest of the wide receiver room, especially towards the end of the season when they're dealing with injuries, um, is the fact that we just had no run game. And if you don't have a run game, defenses can just play up on you. So there goes your under roots. There goes your drags. Your quick slants from from Bowden. Take it to the house. Everybody can just play up. They don't have to worry about the run game, or they can just play back. It, it, it really they can do whatever they want if you don't have a run game. And then on top of that, if they can get to the quarterback, which as we saw last year, um, you know Tua felt plenty of pressure. Uh, it, it changes things. Now my only concern with our wide receiver room. And I will touch on Jakeem real quick because what bothered me the most about him dropping that play is if he made that play, I think a lot of narrative around Tua changes. Um, Tua, I see it a lot, that Tua has a noodle arm. He doesn't have a strong arm. If you could point to that play and say he just heaved the ball 50, 60 yards down the field, that hit a wide-open Jakeem Grant and took it for an 80, 90-yard touchdown, I think even if you see that in his highlight reels from the season, you get a little bit different perspective about what Tua can actually do. Um, But going back to my biggest concern with this wide receiver room is there isn't one wide receiver on the roster that is known to play 16 games, which then I guess the question is, how many wide receivers do we keep? I mean, six is about right. Sevens a lot, anything more than that is you're really depleting another position on the rest,
1: yeah, I think they keep seven simply because simply because they they're going to in my opinion they're going to have their kick returner punt returner uh, on that on that squad, so I think for that reason they will keep seven um, to your point about tua and the, the noodle arm, you can't throw it beyond 20 yard, blah, 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 blah. Here's what I've taken to, and it feel, it's, it's funny, I keep going back to movie references, and there are some very articulately phrased critiques of Tua, where they say, he can't do this, and he can't do that. And it's well phrased, and it's well written, and it's even grammatically correct and I look at it, and I turn into Mr. White from Weservoir Dogs, played by Harvey Keitel, I believe it's Mr. <laughs> White, and in the coffee shop scene in the beginning, which we can't quote because it's one of the filthiest things in the world. But Mr. Pink goes on a rant about waitresses and how they shouldn't tip them. And Mr. White turns to him and shakes his spoon at him and simply says, you don't know what you're talking about and that is how i feel when i watch half of the critiques of tua tungavailoa and i'll give you i'll give you one small bit of advice i don't like giving people advice because i usually don't know what i'm doing half the time anyway don't let it get to you because you know what they don't know what they're talking about there is tua tungavailoa is not going to throw a ball through a waterfall without getting it wet. But he has a perfect amount of arm strength for an NFL team. It's never going to be – he's never going to have the Chad Punnington issue where he can't hit somebody in stride 50 yards downfield. He simply doesn't have that issue. Um, Regarding the issue with the running game, I 100% agree. And it's been touched on a couple times on our podcast here. Um, on Fin Maniacs, the Dolphins ran RPO, but they also ran plenty of play-action plays. And I'll tell you what, play-action only works if a defense respects your run game. If if you run a play-action and you don't see any safeties biting on it, and they basically say, go ahead, run it. We're not scared of your run game in the slightest. Then there's a problem. And that's exactly what happened to Miami last year. They ran play action and no one bit on it because no one's scared of the run game last year. Uh, I, I like I like uh, Miles Gaskin. I think he is a perfect complement on this team to a power run game, whereas if you wear down defenses with a couple of your your big-bodied running backs, he he'll, he'll he'll gash defenses late in games. Once you do that, but yeah, I think the other element is a is a proficient run game will help the receivers once again look far better.
2: Yeah. So let's kind of wrap it up with this. I want to bring um, Jason back on, and I want him to give us his prediction for what. Our final wide receiver room could look like since we've we've spent a good amount of time going through that. Um, I'm interested to see what Jason's takes are.
0: Guys, great stuff. Chip, the reservoir dog reference was stellar, and I, I'm it's a pleasure to be stuck in the middle of both of you. And we're oh we're, Steelers, are, Steelers
1: wheel reference that was
0: awesome. Had to had to do it, man. I was <laughs> thinking for about 45 seconds <laughs> while Sean was bringing me back in, but it it, it worked. It flowed. But uh, the wide receiver room is going to be fun because you're going to have guys that they're going to go on this positionless football stuff, right? So Matt Collins, Cole gunner. guy like a Malcolm Perry, maybe he's a quarterback three, maybe he's a running back five, you know? So there's going to be a lot of weird, tricky things that go on with who's a quote-unquote receiver. I am on the firm belief that Jakeem Grant is going to be given, for lack of a better term, an ultimatum say your job is punt returner or punt returner. And I think that that's going to be taken how it's worth. And if he's going to want to be a wide receiver, it might not be per se with the Dolphins. So Jakeem Grant to me, I don't think is wide receiver five or eight. I think he's PR one. So that's just me. And when we have a guy like a Devante Parker, who could be traded at any time from now till trade deadline, if we want to really put it out there, He's right now the wide receiver one, but could be traded. And you have Will Fuller, who could only be a year in Miami. It just—it all depends on that situation. So it is a very tricky answer when you have a guy like Lin Bowden, who's got a lot of potential. You got Preston Williams, who's got a lot of potential, and of course you have those fringe guys that they signed, like you know your Foster. So and a rookie that comes in in we're all expecting them to draft one. So I, I can't answer the question, guys, but I could say yeah, that but I could say that training camp is going to be fantastic. I think that Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns are going to be fighting for their lives somewhere, whether it's going to be in Miami or somewhere else, because we didn't mention those two yet or at least I didn't. So it's going to be a very, very competitive room, a very competitive training camp. It would not shock me to see a Devontae Parker move, And I don't mean to say this because I don't like Parker. I love mm. Devontae Parker. But at this point, if someone puts a gun to my head and say, Would you take a fourth and or a third firm, I'd consider it. Really? I would. I would just just a Pro Bowl <laughs> snub from just from, le- from last two last years year. ago. From two years ago in his fifth year. Yeah, no, last year court.
2: wasn't necessarily his fault.
0: No fault. No, listen, what what I've learned about the receiver position, especially on the dolphins, is that you could you could find a gem you could trade for potential and you could be a year out from drafting one of the top three. So a guy like a Devonte Parker, I won't cry if he gets traded, if there's good value because I've only seen one terrific year where he's gone above first round value out of his six in, in the league. But I'm not a, I'm not a, an anti-Devante Parker guy. I'm a pro roster build guy. And if it makes sense for the roster build, I would love to see Devontae Parker succeed in an NFC West team if it nets the Dolphins a pick that could be a Pro Bowl guard. That's just me.
2: I will say the one thing Devontae Parker has going for him is he is on a very team-friendly deal right now. He's not counting a lot of money against the cap. And and last thing before, before we head out, I think there's two things saving Jakeem Grant right now. One being he's... He, he is off a all-pro nod as a returner, um, although I don't believe in keeping someone as a as a returner because how many special teams positions you, can you have without taking away from valuable positions um, to keep those guys? And the other thing is Brian Flores loves to look at the players like they're his family. And Jakeem Grant is everybody's little brother, especially – Devontae Parker, um, he's such a culture fit that that's, like, his one saving grace that gives me pause that he might be let go.
0: But, I'm obviously, time will tell. I uh, get yeah, another guy I got nothing against. Love Jakeem. love. I mean, look, it's funny that oh, we're I talking don't. about. It's, it's funny that we're talking about Devontae and Jakeem. And, like, that's, like, the two that we joke around, Uncle Nephew. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's gonna be very interesting to see. The dolphins do have players who can return kicks. I think they have about six of them, if you really want to look at it. It's and I'm not I'm not talking about Preston Williams, you got a Benogany, you got Yeah,
2: he's not allowed.
0: Not allowed, not allowed. And I might have gone a little bit maybe four guys. Yeah, Lynn Bowden, <laughs> you know, but if you take away Joaquin Grant, it's four. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if if he is is a cap casualty. I really wouldn't.
1: It's funny, if I can just chip in, chime in. No, or chip in. Chip will chime
2: chip in. in. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, um,
1: very quickly on that. I I, I I, have had this thought repeatedly, and I didn't want to bring it up today, but you brought it up near the end, is that the worth that Devontae Parker has to this team, and I don't want to beat to death something that has been covered repeatedly, in that Devontae Parker and Preston Williams have extremely similar skill sets. Correct. And it's not just 50-50 ball catchers. It's not. And you touched on it as well. I think, honestly, Devontae Parker would net more than even a third or fourth-round pick specifically because he has a very team-friendly contract over the next couple of years. And I've looked at this, and I've looked at it, And thought to myself, I like Devontae Parker. I I was so, so pleased when he had his breakout year in 2018. And he was a Pro Bowl snub. Uh, I'm sorry, 2019. And he was a Pro Bowl snub. Right. And I loved it for the guy. But this is a business. Football, winning football is a business. Is it a family to an extent? Sure. But it's also a business. And I honestly think pre-draft 2021, he has a lot more trade value than people think he does simply because of his contract, whereas – and the NFC West would be perfect for him. I keep looking at Seattle and going – Seattle. Oh, I my
0: love it. gosh. I mean, honestly, or another West team on the AFC. I wouldn't mind Vegas. Yes. But well, Vegas there has there a you go. Of, they, Vegas has day three or late day two and day three. You got a lot of picks. Yes. So Just I'm circling Vegas.
1: Completely spitballing, but I totally agree with what you guys are saying. I,
2: mean, I look, just look, get worried 100. about I just get worried about taking away the guy that doesn't drop passes away from the second
1: year quarterback. <laughs> well that shouldn't that, that shouldn't be just one guy. It shouldn't well, just be one besides guy, guy that's baller. That that's yeah
0: only one guy right now.
1: That's fair. And that it shouldn't be that way. I Hopefully it you. won't be that way in the future.
0: I hear you. And I listen. Everyone knows that, you know, I'm not going to defend the drop issue with Preston or, of course, some other issues. Matt Collins, big drop against the Raiders game, but he redeemed himself. So we can negate that. one. We can negate that one, but that was the one that resonated because it was a touchdown drop. But Williams, you know, he was recorded with three drops last year. Two of them came in the win against the Rams, where Tua Tagovailoa didn't need to do anything to win the game because the defense already won the game. So if you really want to give someone a pass on a bad game, give Preston the pass on that. Had a drop, I believe it was recorded against the Niners. No, I'm sorry, the Bills. He had a bad drop against the Bills. That was a loss, and I think that was on a fourth down. So if you really want to talk about a level of drop that could have been a game changer, give him a big fat one on that. What about 2019? That's a rookie situation where an undrafted kid made some just bad drops and if you're going right. to look at if you're going to look at a first rounder who got paid 8 million dollars of a signing bonus and then dropped a couple of touchdowns i'd be really annoyed sure. but if i'm also looking at an old jalopy that doesn't start in my garage i'm looking at an old jalopy that's not starting in my garage i'm not going to be that upset if the lamborghini's not getting me around the corner if you understand what mm-hmm. i'm trying to say so <laughs> it's a level of yep, expectation sure. and it's a level of what you're you're missing and paying for or not paying for and getting or either which way you want to slice that kind of combination. But Preston, stick him in front of a jugs machine for four hours a weekend. Divide the time up, and I think his hands will improve. And he is a guy who is going to work at his negatives. And if he could put it all together, he's 24, he's played 16 games, and he's had, if you put those games together as a season... A solid year for an undrafted kid making $900,000 who had two injuries. Isn't that wild? That's extremely wild. And everyone yeah. is now saying, and this is a, I knew you wanted to go two minutes, Sean, but you hit my Preston Williams. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm a Williams we're, fan. We're, he we're shares looking my last at name. Twitter, we're looking at social media. This is true. We're looking at social media and we're seeing Preston Williams is a, an injury prone dropping bum. Okay, well, number one. Injury prone for a punt returner at 6-5 in a game that he already scored two touchdowns, should not have been returning that kick. That's number one. Number two, the injury against the Arizona Cardinals. Rewatch it. He leaped into the end zone, scored the touchdown, but as he was tackled, he was brought down by a twist of the foot by a Cardinal tackler. Yeah, someone gator-rolled him. Someone gator-rolled him, and then it was the subsequent, probably the adrenaline. He didn't feel it. Something happened. He did, yeah. a little, did a little Irish jig in the end zone. Christian Wilkins jumped on in and on. And I think that's all she wrote. Injury prone is jogging to the water cooler and having your light give out. Injury prone is having a, a trick back, a trick this, a trick that. I don't want to use the H word with trick. But injury prone is me being able to sneeze and pull my L5 disc out. That's injury prone. Preston Williams is an injury prone. He's an athletic. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't think Miami is actually going to get rid
2: of any of these guys. Uh, I mean, there's going to be the off-season cuts, but I don't think they're going to get rid of any of these guys until they see what they have um, with one more year, with a full season with Tua, and even like let's say they go out and get Kyle Pitts. Um, it's cheaper to franchise tag Mike Gesicki than to than to re-sign him. So I think we're. St- we're not going to really see Miami giving away any of their players until they really have a good understanding of what they have.
0: But I we'll agree see. with that. I agree with that. And if you if you can contractually bring all these receivers in, if there's 12 receivers in camp with rookies and whatever, and you don't have to make a decision on picking six of them until week three of the preseason or whatever it is, do mm-hmm. what you need to do. I mean, of course, you got a guy, Kirk Merritt, could practice squad, you know? So there's one that could I, be retained.
2: I'm a big fan of his. I still hope that there's a spot for him.
0: Isaiah Ford, a seventh-round pick, hung around a practice squad, went up and down for a couple of years as a seventh-round pick. There's nothing to be said that a guy like Kirk Merritt cannot. So we'll see. But the wide receiver room is, is crowded. It's expensive, but there's potential and there's questions. But I think it's going to be a, a heck of a fun ride.
1: Well, that's what training camp is for you, so sure. find well, out find out who you're keeping.
0: Can't wait for that. All right,
2: that's all I got, guys. Yeah, buddy. We will, Close it uh, out, dude. Great show. We will, yeah, we will talk to everybody next week um, where we will be one week closer to the draft. My uh, goodness,
1: I cannot wait.
2: <laughs> one, one more time, letting everybody know. Uh, expect a lot of cool things from the Finn Maniacs uh, that entire draft weekend. Uh, we have some big plans. We got live coverage. Me, Jason, and Chip. We will be there, um, bringing it all to you. Uh, multiple shows going on, so get excited for the draft for sure.
0: And Sean, I've saw I've seen some of your tweets that you know where the good eats are in Cleveland. So you're going to be in charge of that portion of the of the trip. Yes, sir. Awesome. Uh, awesome there too so chip fantastic work that you do sean fantastic work as well you guys have been hitting the prospects you've been putting your own takes on your articles and you just i just love diving into those articles and closing the eyes after i read it and think of a movie because that's what you guys do so appreciate you can't wait for the draft as sean said come on back to the a lot of fun stuff fins up everyone enjoy the rest of your day and night or whatever you're doing
2: fins up have a good night